I'm Cindy Levy, and this is the Barney's Podcast, the show that celebrates fashion, style, culture, but most of all, the personalities who create those things every single day. Victoria Beckham has been in the public eye for decades. If you slept through the 1990s, here's a quick cheat sheet. She was Posh Spice, a member of the international sensation The Spice Girls, which sold 52 million records worldwide. And then, when the girl group went on hiatus, she set her sights on fashion. She launched her Victoria Beckham line in 2008, and unlike many quote-unquote celebrity-driven brands, it succeeded, gaining steadily year after year. In fact, the brand celebrated its 10th anniversary this fall. But if the name Victoria Beckham makes you think of a forbidding fashion creature with dark sunglasses and never a smile, let me tell you, it's not the case. The world is getting to know a very different side of her. One of my friends actually said to me the day after the show, he said, this is the first time that I've seen you share the you that I know with everybody else. I caught up with Victoria a few days after she showed her 10th anniversary collection at London and Paris Fashion Weeks this fall. Victoria Beckham, what are you wearing today? Today I am wearing a pair of knit leggings, actually from my pre-collection, which is about to drop in store. I am wearing a knit long sleeve jumper, again from pre, and I have some VB leopard print kitten heels and a matching purse. So I'm full Mm. VB today. But you do, at least occasionally, wear other designers. And I'm curious, first of all, how often do you do that? And what item in your closet is there that's by someone else that you would never give up no matter what? You know, I used to wear other designers when I first started because I really did focus just on dresses. But now I very rarely wear other brands just because now I have everything um, because now I'm, I'm about wardrobe. But I, I do occasionally wear vintage pieces, but I, I would say 99.9% of the time I am wearing my own, wearing my own clothes now. Mm, because you've essentially now created everything that you want to wear all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I can find everything that I want right here now, which is great. I feel very, very lucky. You're also an incredibly hard worker, and I'm holding here two covers of Glamour that we did during my time as editor there. The first, you've got a yellow Labrador puppy around your neck. (laughs) And the second, you're in a bathtub. So my first question is, do you forgive me? (laughs) I've got to say, I mean, I'm really proud of those two covers. And and I think you did such a good job of trying to make me look warm, fuzzy and friendly. (laughs) Well, actually, you are warm, fuzzy and friendly. I know this. Well, you know, know, I'd like to think that I I am. uh, Maybe not fuzzy but warm and friendly and I think that people see that now because of how I can connect with my customer through social media but when we did those covers you know social media isn't what it is now and the impression that people had of me was that I was this person that didn't smile very much I took myself very very seriously and I was quite polarizing shall we say I mean the amount of times I've heard that over the years and so I think that that's where you know hold a puppy and get in a bath full of bubbles. And, and and I get it. And actually, I have to say, I love both of those covers. I look at the person mm-hmm. on those covers. And as somebody that, you know, loves magazines, you know, that person is very relatable. So thank you, Cindy. I'm proud of them. I've got them framed. They're on my wall. I love them. Oh, that makes me so happy. And, um, <laughs> and they're real favorites of mine, too. And I think, you know, what I learned about you in the process of doing that is that you're an incredibly hard worker. I mean, thank you. you know, 
up early in the morning for conference calls, you know, there to discuss every aspect of what we were collaborating on. And, you know, so on, on that level, your your incredible success in business doesn't surprise me in the least. But going back to, you know, what you were saying about the public perception of you and the reality, you took your show to London Fashion Week for the first time um, at the occasion of the 10th anniversary of your brand. You were emotional after that show, or at least you looked emotional. Tell me, what were those emotions? You know, it, it was a really emotional day for me because for the last 10 years, I've I've shown in New York. And, you know, I had my friends here. I had family here to support me. I had family members that have never seen what I do. I did feel more pressure coming back to London. There'd been a lot of press talking about the fact that I was coming back to London. And, you know, I'm very proud to be British, but I've never done a show here. I mean, I've always supported the British Fashion Council. And it was exciting for me to feel part of London Fashion Week. It was a big deal. So it, it was incredibly emotional, but I'm so proud of, of what we created and the collection went down very, very well. And I'm very, very happy with, with, with how, it, how it all went. Mm. You know, the New York Times said about that collection um, that you just showed that it was about clothes that women would want to buy and wear now. To me, that's the highest compliment you can give to a designer. But for years, that idea of wearability was almost kind of a knock, you know, like, oh, those are wearable clothes, as if as if that meant they were somehow less artistic. Have we changed our minds about that? And how do you think about wearability when you design? I've always said that for me, it's about putting clothes on the catwalk that you can actually wear. I'm a brand that I sell, I sell clothes. I'm not just creating show pieces and then selling makeup um, and fragrance off of the back of that. It's not just about creating an image. It's about creating clothes that women can look at and relate to and then want to wear. So for me, that is that is a huge, a huge compliment. Do I like it when people put, you know, coats with three sleeves on the runway? Yeah, it's great. It's super creative. But guess what? If I've only got two arms, what's the point? You know, <laughs> for, for me, it really is about what my customer wants. And this season, I really brought my customer into the celebrations with me, if you like. I had customers flying in from, from Mexico, from Australia, and I had I hosted breakfasts and they came to the show and then we had events in the evening. So I really wanted a collection that gave my customer ultimately what she wants. That's why I'm doing this. I'm not just doing it to create clothes that will never be worn. So I do take that as a, as a huge compliment. You know, it's not about a huge flashy show. It's about, you know, it feeling like the ultimate way to look at luxury, you know, in a very personal, close environment. I remember your early shows, you know, back in the late OOs, your first couple of years, and you would literally talk us in small groups of eight to 10 editors or so, you would talk us through the collections, describing every look as it came down the runway. Why did you decide to do it that way? You know, it happened so organically. I was very aware of people's preconceptions when I first started. And, you know, I spent a few days in a hotel suite in New York and buyers and editors would come in throughout the week. And I had a couple of girls walking just around the around the suite in the clothing. It was very, very natural. I just 
randomly started talking about, you know, the inspiration behind the garment, the fabric, the construction, the seaming details, um, and all those kind of things. Just because I was not that I wanted to prove anything to anybody, but I was proud of what we had created. And it's it's what I loved. I was passionate and I think people could really could really feel that from me. I think it's nice when there's not too many people there, you know, and you can actually see the garments and you can almost feel and hear the garments as they walk past you. You know, I think that's the ultimate way to look at luxury. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that those early small presentations really did was that they allowed editors to see how much you knew your stuff. You mm. know, you wouldn't just be saying this is a you know pretty dress in a lovely shade of blue and I'd like to wear it to such and such occasion. You were talking about seaming. You were talking about detailing. You were talking very specifically about different kinds of fabrics. I mean, you were dropping some knowledge there. <laughs> and, it, you know, you talked about people's preconceptions what do you think those preconceptions were and how did you aim at fighting them well you know I was a spice girl I I'm, I'm still married <laughs> Wait, <what>? to, <laughs> I'm still married to a footballer and you, you know I think that there'd been a lot of celebrities creating collections putting their name all all over garments and there's nothing wrong with that at all. This was different. This was my passion. This was something that I was taking very seriously. And I was surrounding myself with smart people. But people didn't know that at the time, you know, as, as much as anybody knew. I was just another celebrity to create a clothing line that probably wouldn't be around the following season. And I was very aware of that. But I didn't spend too much time focusing on it. For me, it really was about the product speaking for itself and being good. You were talking about David before. One of my favorite stories that you ever told about him is that after he met you, not knowing that much about you other than that you were a posh spice, he bought head-to-toe Prada to impress you. He did. <laughs> and that you thought he looked fantastic. But A for effort, first of all. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I don't even think he'd ever even heard of, of Prada before. And so uh, it meant a lot that he did that. And actually, I found all of those clothes quite recently because I keep everything in storage. And it was it was interesting to come across all of those Prada clothes again. <laughs> you know, I remember w once about six years ago when I interviewed you, we were joking about how the public image of you is of that serious, not smiling person mm -hmm. um, when in real life you laugh a lot. And you said... I've created this person, and I'm not saying that's not me, but I wouldn't say that's the whole me. Mm -hmm. It's an armor that goes up. And it seems to me, you know, looking at you now, that that armor is down a little bit and that you're showing more of yourself publicly, you know, both in terms of showing your personality. I mean, you're making these hilarious videos. By the way, the little Instagram clip of you dancing to spice up your life at a <laughs> at a party last month is like the best thing I've ever seen. Is that am I right about that? Or have you made a decision to sort of let more of who the real Victoria is show? You know, I just think that there's been a lot of activity in the last month to celebrate the 10th anniversary. You know, that started with the Vogue covers that I did. Um, and I was so excited to be doing a cover with David, obviously, and then a cover with the children because we've never done that before. And obviously off of the back of that, I had the video that I did. I do like to poke fun at myself. I take what I do very seriously. But I think it's also really important that you do have a bit of fun. You know, the brand is about me. 
and that, that that was very important and then you know what can I say you know kicking off the shoes and dancing in the jazzy gold trousers to spice up your life at one o'clock in the morning at a party that British Vogue and my husband hosted for me the night of my show after a few too many glasses of wine is still haunting me now but in a good way in a good way um so it, I, I looked at that and I thought this woman is living her best life I really am living my best life I'm working hard but I'm living my best life. So it wasn't that I went out there to to show a different side of me. I think that there were just a number of things that all happened at the same time. One of my friends actually said to me the day after the show, he said, this is the first time that I've seen you share the you that I know with everybody else. And it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't a conscious thing. It just happened very, very organically and very naturally. But it was fun. (laughs) (laughs) You were referencing the Vogue video. So for for those who might not have seen it, this was a video you made with UK Vogue, and it was an almost Zoolander-style send-up. Victoria, do you want to tell us what we're doing today? Today we're here at Vogue, and we are shooting a cover story celebrating the rich and inspiring history of one of the most enduring style icons of, of all time, me, Victoria Beckham. And, you know, in which you were telling the editor-in-chief, Edward Enenfall, that it was important for him to spice up his life. Spice up your life, Edward. Just spice up your life. And you were saying it with complete deadpan conviction. And the most important thing about it is that you were absolutely hilarious. Well, thank you. It It was a lot of fun doing it and a lot of fun putting on my Spice Girl costumes again, putting on my wedding dress again. I really, really enjoyed it and obviously you know I've I've been in the music industry I'm in the fashion industry obviously Hollywood is calling that there should be lots of hashtag give Victoria her own tv show off of of the back of that I'm joking by the way well why not well gosh absolutely (laughs) there's so many reasons why not Cindy so many reasons everybody likes to have fun you know I think a lot of people think just because you're in the fashion industry that everybody takes themselves very very seriously and no one wants to poke fun at themselves and I'm hoping that I have changed change the perception. Because if British folk can have a laugh, everyone can have a laugh. (laughs) You referenced the Posh Spice costumes. Where do you keep them? I keep them all in storage. And I got them all out of storage. And I was trying them all on um, and actually sending my team pictures of this is me in the say you'll be there catsuit. This is me in the spice up your life leotard or, or whatever it was. And I think, you know, everybody found it quite entertaining. But, you know, I'm so proud of my past and everything that I achieved with the girls. And like I said, you know, this was 10 years. This was celebrating, yes, my business, but also me as a mum and me recognising the past and everything that I achieved. And it started out girl power and empowering young girls through music. Now what I want to do is empower women through fashion. It's the same Mm -hmm. message. Um, And so it was important for me to do that. I was amazed at how naked the costumes were. I have to say, when I look at some of those clothes, I used to go out with not a lot of clothing on Cindy. I was too embarrassed. Actually, when I put on that Cavalli outfit, I didn't actually even want to come out of the dressing room. I was saying to her, I can't come out without any clothes on. What? I haven't got a bra on. <laughs> so so uh, no chance you're going to be lending those to Harper? 
Absolutely not. Absolutely not. She was like, wow, mummy used to wear really short skirts. Yes, I did, Harper, and no, you're not going to. <laughs> it's that classic, do as I say, don't do as I do. I think that's what they said. It was a moment. It was the 90s. Come on. And you looked fantastic. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it's brought me to where I am now. So it's all good. Any chance you're ever going to go blonde again? I have a soft spot for the 2007 blonde pixie, <laughs> Victoria, myself. I don't think so. I mean, I think that it was good at the time. Um, and I loved all those short haircuts. But I, I like the fact now it's a bit longer. It's so much easier. But no, mm -hmm. I, I don't think so. But I enjoyed it at the time. That was one of my favorites, too. I love the letter that you wrote to your 18-year-old self um, in Vogue last year. And, you know, you talked about how when you were 18, you know, you were struggling and that you felt you weren't, you know, the prettiest or the thinnest or the best at dancing and that, you know, you would call your parents crying and saying, you know, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. When did that start to not be the way you felt? Was there a moment when you thought, okay, I actually, I believe in myself now? Oh, goodness. You know, I don't know if there was any one moment. Look, I suppose you grow in confidence the older that you get. You know, I've learned to trust my instincts and trust the people around me. And I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not so good at. And I'm, I'm okay with that. And I'm learning. What do you think your 18-year-old self would say to you right now? I don't think she'd believe it. I don't think she would believe that she could mm. grow into that woman, that professional woman, that mother, and that wife. Yeah, I think she'd be proud. Hmm. I guess that's a great message for every 18-year-old out there. Believe it. It's possible. hundred percent. I mean, I really was the underdog. I really, really was. I was that kid that got bullied at school. Nothing came easy for me you know, not on the, the the dancing and the performing side of things, not on the academic side of things, not socially. I never seem to fit in anywhere. And if I can do it, then I think if you work hard enough and you focus hard enough, then then I do believe that, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, that can that, that can also, you know, do the same thing. I, I really do. Hmm. It, it, you know, thinking about other ways in which you've overcome, and you talked about this period, Business of Fashion wrote a couple of years ago, insiders remember a time when brands would call her representatives, her being you, to ask that she please not wear their clothes, even if she had bought them herself. Now, Victoria, when I hear that, I want to punch someone in the face on your behalf. It's so <laughs> snotty. Obviously, in the words of Beyonce, the best revenge is your paper. You have a great commercial hit on your hands. You've dressed everybody from Gwyneth to Oprah. But any message to people who doubted you back then? I think a lot of people have doubted me over the years. And that's, you know, that's given me a thick skin and that's made me who I am now. I mean, I think that I try as a brand to not be like that. You know, for me, if anybody chooses my brand over somebody else's, I don't care who it is. I'm flattered and I'm honored that they have chosen to, to, to wear my brand. So I have a very different attitude. I mean, I don't know. I find it quite funny. I find, you know, I do find it all quite funny. But uh, it's funny when I see these people now, you know, I could very easily turn around to them and I won't even tell you who they are and say, oh, do you remember when you said, you know, you wouldn't let me wear your clothes? And, uh, 
you know, here we are now. But I would never do that. There's no point in doing that, you know. I think you learn, you learn from these uh, experiences. You, know, you learn how you're not going to behave yourself because it doesn't feel nice. Mm. Thinking about the milestones in your career, I mean, we're talking a lot about the 10th anniversary of your brand, but there have been so many other big moments over the last 10 years. You know, there was, I know, winning your first British Fashion Award was a big moment for you. Are there other moments besides this 10th anniversary that really stand out? Things that maybe I wouldn't guess from the outside looking in? I mean, look, I've done some great collaborations over the years. The Estee Lauder collaboration that I did, for example, a few years Mm -hmm. ago, you know, that was a really defining moment for me because it was a huge success and what I realized is how how much I love beauty and how much I want to do it on my own so I will be launching my own beauty brand where I will be doing makeup and I will be doing skincare and I will be doing fragrance so there's been moments like that over the last 10 years. That's incredibly exciting. I think that there were so many great items in your Estee Lauder collection that I'm still hoarding at home myself. Mm. Um, what will you start with? What items seem really key to you, if you can say? I mean, I'm still working on the development at the moment, but but it will be color. And as always, I think, you know, it will always be very true and very honest to me. So as a woman, what can't I find? What do I want? What do I want to wear? What is my go-to every day? The development process is, is, is what I love because obviously you develop a lot and then you cut it down. But, you know, I love to spend a lot of time in the lab, a lot of attention to detail. So I'm, I'm very proud of, of everything that I do because I am so involved with absolutely everything. Okay, on a totally different note, you always have such good cultural radar. I always think you have great recommendations of music and actors you're watching and so forth. So who, outside of the world of fashion, who or what are you obsessed with now? I'm really into Killing Eve at the moment. Have you seen it? Oh, it's so good. It's I so want it to good. come back so badly. I know. that You know, when <laughs> she's in Paris and she's having therapy and she's got that big pink dress on, it's everything. That scene is incredible her wardrobe is fantastic Jodie Comer's it's incredible and I mean don't even get me started on the birthday cake that's baby blue and gold I mean I was (laughs) I was dying at that moment as well ages ago you said in an interview that you are such a girl's girl and that you don't like women who don't like women Um, and I see that about you you've got a lot of really close female friends who are the women you're texting with right now well let me tell you Cindy a few days ago I went on a wine weekend. Myself and David went to Bordeaux and we very rarely go away, just just the two of us, without the kids. But I arranged a wine weekend with myself and David, Eva Longoria, who is my best friend, and her husband, Pepe. And we had a couple of other friends, a few that, a couple that flew in from New York. I had a couple of friends from Iceland. And actually the Ramses were there as well, Gordon and Tana Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun. We had <laughs> the best time. So we have a WhatsApp group and, you know, we're all still communicating, sharing pictures. Like, really? Gosh, I must have been really drunk because I have no recollection of that. Those kind of, those kind of <laughs> conversations going back and forth between, between myself and, uh, and, and Eva. So lots of wine talk at the moment. Well, everybody, Victoria Beckham living her best life. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> absolutely. Victoria, thank you so much. It's been great to catch up with you. Thank you so much, Cindy. You can follow Victoria Beckham on Instagram and, of course, find her latest collection at Barney's. 
The Barneys Podcast is produced by Barneys and Transmitter Media. Our associate producer is Oluwakemi Aladasui. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. It's going to help other people find us. Thank you for listening. I joke and say to the kids, you know, it's funny, isn't it? Because when mummy moved into fashion, her vocal talents just got taken away from her very quickly. I don't think that they were ever there in the first place. But... <laughs> Not so. Not so. 